Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 58 of the Rex Chapman Show with my super dope homeboy from the Lex town, Josh Hopkins and Prince. Prince is here, Josh. Oh, hey, yeah. how are you, Prince? He's hanging in. He's hanging yeah. in there. Yeah. How you doing, buddy? You're, you're a dad and you tell <laughs> dad, Jeff. Um, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, how are things in Brooklyn? Things are good. You're in Austin. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Everything's Episode- great. Episode 58 we have today. Uh, any famous 58, you know? Uh, that's a tough one it's tough one that's more of a i don't know football yeah yeah like basketball um, oh who am i no teeth smiling Uh, on sports illustrated uh it's uh, pittsburgh steelers i don't know jack lambert yeah 58 58 way to go way to go great impression by the way thank you thank you appreciate um and how about von miller He's still cooking. He's a he's a good one. Yeah, Bob Derek Derek Thomas. Oh yeah, yeah. Another linebacker. Did you read anything this week? Book club. We need to do book club, Josh. Yeah, we got we got inform the society. I didn't this week. Did you read anything? I did not. Oh, it's been book club. Yeah, it's been Um, a good one. Uh, Speaking of books, you know Rex, our guest. Our guest today has written seven books. She's written more than we've read combined. Whoa, seven books. I can't believe that. You know, we should we should read some books sometimes. I, 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 we should start by reading all seven of her book covers. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then we'll come back. Josh, I'm super excited. We have a terrific guest on today. She's a pioneer, a trailblazer. We have best-selling author, national sports columnist for USA Today, commentator for CNN, ABC News, PBS, NewsHour, and NPR's Morning Edition. Three times she was named one of the country's top 10 sports columnists by the Associated Press. She has covered the last 20 Olympic Games. Most importantly, Our guest is a trailblazer. She was the first woman sports writer at the Miami Herald in 1981 and the first woman to cover Washington's NFL team as a staff writer at the Washington Post in 1985. She's the first president of the American for Women in Sports Media. Christine, I want to start at the beginning. You talk about it in one of your books, Best Seat in the House, that you're the oldest of four and you were a daddy's girl and your dad taught you to love sports at a time when Title IX was going into effect. What was it like growing up in Toledo, Ohio, being a young sports fan? I bet you didn't say her name. Christine Brennan. (laughs) Ah, welcome. Well, welcome, guys. I was hoping to just fly under the radar, but no one would know it was me. (laughs) Christine, that was, I've never seen Rex have to read an introduction. That was so, you are so accomplished that he had, I mean, that's a, well, we are thrilled to have you, and uh, I could say for both of us, intimidated as oh. uh, 
We are. You're so accomplished. We're so thrilled that you are here. Thank you. Well, well, Josh, of course, Rex, thank you. Um, I know the listeners are going to get sick and the viewers will get sick of this uh, love fest in a second, but huge fans of both of you uh, in your work. And Rex, I remember you as Mr. Basketball in Kentucky. Most people now know you as Mr. Twitter, uh, the, the, (laughs) the voice of reason on Twitter. But there's there's a, a good subset of the American population that knows you for your basketball career, and I'm certainly one of them. And so it's a delight to be with you. And yeah, you know, my story is not unusual, except for the fact that it, I, I was a girl, I, I am a woman, and, and at a time, as you said, when girls were not encouraged to love or play sports, my father, my wonderful father, uh, encouraged me and said, yes, honey, yes, you can play sports. You can go wow. to games. I'm the oldest, as you said, of four. And I grew up, um, you know, in, in the sixties and seventies and, and, you know, basically I was playing sports with the boys, uh, unorganized, you know, the boys right. would go off to little league by second grade. And then my mom and dad got me into tennis because there was nothing else for an athletic girl at that time. And no one thought of suing for you know, right. being Little League back then. I, I'm glad we didn't. We just it was just not even on the radar screen. But there were sports, and there was tennis, and there was there was uh, you know swimming and golf. And our dad um, often took uh, me and my sister and brother. There's a younger sister who was a little too young at the time to go play an 18 hole par three course in Toledo on summer Sundays when most of the men were probably playing golf at Inverness or Sylvania or wherever. Wow in Toledo or going up to some great course in Detroit. And here's my, our dad taking kids out on the golf course. Why was that? Obviously fun times with dad. He wanted to spend time with us, but also uh, because of the fact he he said to me, he goes, I want you to get good at golf. I, I want you to be comfortable playing tennis and golf and swimming. Those are the sports girls can play. And um, I, I want you to know that you are welcome on a golf course. And he would not play at a golf course with his buddies uh, not that he had time for much golf, but he wouldn't play at a, any golf courses that did not allow women members. And this was wow. in the 60s and 70s, wow. guys. Mm, yeah. And this was, by the way, Mr. Republican. Uh, Toledo, um, he was a liberal Republican. Our whole family were right. liberal Republicans. Of course, that doesn't really exist anymore. And I don't need to get into <laughs> politics, but that's a key fact. And um, he's passed away now. But he, um, yeah, this, this would have been a very troubling time for him. But, um, but he was also the, so, so Lucas County Republican Party chair three different times uh, later on in the 80s, 90s and early part of the century. But he also was the biggest feminist I knew. And so we learned early on to not have stereotypes in our household, because uh, no one would believe that this man running Republican candidates in, in Ohio would also be the man who would be encouraging his five foot 11 and a half daughter is what mm-hmm. I grew up to be, of course, to play sports and to lead this incredibly unusual life and encourage me as as our mom did, too. I mean, that's a huge part of it. Our mom was very much into it. So, you know, when I'm, you know, eight, I don't want I mean, I had dolls and I had, we I did yeah. fun stuff with girls, too. But I really wanted a baseball mitt. My dad went out and got me one because I'd been using some of his old ones. And we literally had baseball games in the front yard and all the kids came over to play. And it was just me. And then maybe my sister too, but mostly me and the boys. And if people said, what's going on at that Brennan household, my mom and dad couldn't have cared less. And of um, course he was so far and they were both so far ahead of their time. You you make such a great uh, point that I think a lot of us forget from time to time. I, just like you, I grew up in the sixties and seventies in Kentucky. Uh, Josh, much the same. I, I was an athlete. My dad was an athlete. 
my sister was a really good athlete right behind me two <laughs> years. She was never encouraged to play sports. She cheered. She did gymnastics, but it's almost like the, I remember we had one girl, one girl that played little league with us. Her name was Danny Dan. And she ended up going on and being the best girls basketball player at our schools in our school's history. But and a rapper, played, right? Danny Dan. <laughs> Danny Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she, you know, it stood out and people just referred to her as a tomboy where, you know, not every girl that plays sports has to be a tomboy. It just, it, it's just amazing that, you know, again, there was no pro women's league. There was no WNBA. There was nothing. If, if a girl wanted to play, you know, soccer or whatever, she was probably going to have to play in a boys league if they allowed it. It's just amazing. Are you, are you still kind of amazed at, you know, the advances since title nine? Oh, I am. And in fact, I, I think it's really one of the most important stories, Rex, Josh, in our country, not just sports, but in our culture over the last 50 years. And of course, as we know, we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which for people who don't know, it's the 1972 law signed by President Richard Nixon that basically opened the floodgates for girls and women to play sports. If you're taking federal funds, which every high school and college is, then you had to have equal uh, opportunity, equal proportional opportunity for girls as well as boys in your schools and to play sports. It, and it was actually for med schools and law schools, interestingly. Wow. It was, again, you can't say to a woman, you can't go to a law school if you're taking federal funding. I mean, that just is a basic right. thing. And same with med schools. And then it morphed into sports. And that's what we know it for today. Wow. And I think, you know, there's a lot of competition for this and people might think I'm crazy, guys. But I do think it's the most important law in our country over the last 50 years. And I realize there's a lot of other important laws. But bear me out for a moment here. Yeah. I think we have just begun to see the power of Title IX. Yes, you love your, you wave the red, white, and blue and cheer for the U.S. Olympic team, then you love Title IX. Because without Title IX, the U.S. is not winning the most gold medals or the most medals. Um, there's no women's soccer team. You've never heard of Megan Rapino or Alex Morgan, or before that, Mia Hamm, or Brandi Chastain, or or um, Abby Wambach. You've never heard of them because they wouldn't exist because you wouldn't have had teams because they wouldn't have had scholarships to be on those teams and learn the game as you were describing. So it's that. It's also, of course, college scholarships. It's also um, high school sports and, and just little five-year-old girls and boys soccer and t-ball and all those things that were only boys that are now girls and boys. That's all a big part of it. But I don't even think the story is the opportunity to play sports and participate for our, the other 50 or 51 percent of our population. I mean, guys, what were we thinking for generations? Not giving <sighs> girls and women the opportunity to learn what we've learned through sports. And yes, it led to an incredible career, a career for you in the NBA, Rex. Yes, it's led to a life of my dreams and the adventure of a lifetime for me in sports journalism. But even if it doesn't do any of that, and Josh, obviously for you as well, I'm sure it changed your life. Learning how to lose, win at a young age is important, but learning how to lose at a young age, yes. even more important. Learning about teamwork, learning about sportsmanship, um, all those life skills, whatever that little girl you see in the kitchen every morning is going to be, whether she's going to be a doctor, a lawyer, a business person, a teacher, a coach, a mom, a wife, some a journalist, um, an athlete, some combination, probably much more than just one of those, she will be better at it 
because she played sports. Our nation is stronger because we're teaching those kids their those life lessons, even if they stop at eighth grade, even if they stop and play, you know, they're on the bench in high school. That's that's it. So it's not just Katie Ledecky and the WNBA and the women's soccer team and our incredible U.S. women's basketball team that hasn't lost since 1992, which is unbelievable. It's it's about that girl, as I said, that is the neighborhood girl with the grass stains on her knee and the kid you watch running off to practice every day or that kid you're driving to practice. And, and that's girls as well as boys. And so I do think moving forward, for the next 50 years of Title IX, which I'm not sure, Rex, you and I, you know, maybe Josh, you'll be around to see that. I'm not, I, I, you know, send me notes wherever I am. But we will have women running for president, if not for the 20s, the rest of the 20s, certainly the 30s, 40s. Women on both tickets or all tickets and women being president time after time again. We may have five or six women presidents in the next 50 years. I hope I'm right. Um, we'll I have, don't, don't want to go into politics too much, but along those lines, and I wasn't, you know, Hillary Clinton and all that, I was disappointed for my daughters. I have three daughters. You know, I just thought at that moment in time, okay, look, this is going to be one more thing that women can mark off the list. We now know women a woman can be president. And so that won the popular just, vote. Won the popular, it just, yeah. it still <laughs> eats at me. Um, no. Did you have a similar kind of uh, feeling oh, or no? I did, oh, for sure. Okay. And again, as I said, and again, I don't think this is, it's politics, but it's also American right. life. I grew up as a Republican. And um, as I said, my we were liberal, pro-choice, of course, Republicans. and. That's our whole family. We were. And um, obviously, as things have changed, of course, you know, it, yes, Hillary was very important, um, not just as a candidate for whatever policies, but as a, a figurehead, as a as a right. symbol. And that certainly was devastating. And then, you know, to lose again, I know we keep saying this, but I don't want to spend time in politics. I know you don't either, but to lose. We don't mind at all. We, yeah, seriously, okay. we don't mind at and all. Jo and Josh like is it. dead. Josh's dad, uh, congressman in Kentucky for years, Republican oh, as well. Sure, Republican. Sure. And yeah, so, you know, you lived it as well. And um, but to lose to a man who's who bragged about sexually assaulting women. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it, you know, those those are just facts. And yeah. and so that was a tough one. What we saw, though, and I think we saw what I was kind of describing a few moments ago about the how Title IX will impact people. And the power and the confidence you feel as a woman playing sports, just like we've given that to men for generations. What did you see in 2018? All these women coming out to run and win, yeah. right? Yeah. And 2020, we saw that. Of course, a woman, uh, Kamala Harris, is our vice president. And um, and Joe Biden had many women to pick from, mm -hmm. you know, as for yeah. when he said he was going to have a woman vice president. I mean, it's not just one anymore. Um, and women governors and um, and now, again, so many women running. I think there's quite a few races where it's a woman against a woman right now for the midterm elections, whether it's Congress, yeah. Senate, not not a majority, but it's not unusual at all. Or a mayor who's a woman uh, talking about, uh, you know, something that's happened in, in her town and uh, on you know CNN, whatever. So I think we're seeing that. And we are going to have more than 50 women in the U.S. Senate. I don't know wow. if it'll be in our lifetimes, uh, yeah. but. We will. And we'll have more than 50 percent of women in the House of Representatives because we have to, because we're pumping out millions and millions of girls and women who've loved sports 
every year, played sports, learned those life lessons, they're not going away. They're not just going to say, okay, I learned all that. Now I'm not going to use it for the rest of my yeah, life. And I think learned. that's why the next 20, 30, 40 years, today's 10-year-old, when she's 60, wow, what is this world going to look like? And I'm very excited. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm kind of a big fan of Title IX. Steph Curry's record-breaking three-pointer, Jason Tatum's buzzer-beating alley-oop, Ja Morant's poster dunk. NBA Top Shot is where the greatest moments from NBA history are turned into officially licensed digital collectibles. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards by making it easier to buy, sell, and collect by removing the hassle of grading, shoe boxes, and shipping fees. You can buy or sell moments in a few clicks and access them at any time on your phone or computer. Your collection is always at your fingertips. Start collecting Top Shot moments in any way you want. Collect rookie moments from future stars like Evan Mobley and Kay Cunningham. Collect throwback moments from former NBA stars like Shaq and Allen Iverson. Or collect moments from your favorite team to gain access to exclusive perks. Grab your starter pack today and Top Shot will give you $20 back to start your collection and pick up some of your favorite moments in the marketplace. Go to about.nbatopshot.com slash bballnews and get in the game today. You know, Josh played, grew up playing sports, played, you know, everything growing up. Was a good uh, uh, athlete growing up, baseball, uh, basketball, played all through high school, basketball. Didn't play after that. His buddies, he has the tightest knit group of high school buddies still to this day. They have, you know, I've heard all their stories. I didn't go to school with them. I've heard all their stories. You know, they have, it, it was the best time of their life that we deprived young women of those team experiences for generations <laughs> feels criminal. It, it really does, right? Because it, it did. It robbed them of those all of the things you learn in sports and being on a team and sacrificing and being a good teammate, right? Oh, oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, as I said, you know, a few months, what were we thinking? I mean, we, we weren't thinking, right? It yeah. was just, it was, I mean, I, my high school, Ottawa Hills High School, suburbs of Toledo, wanted every, moms and dads wanted every daughter to go to college, get a degree, didn't have to be an MRS degree, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and and achieve, right? We were totally focused on that. And yet the mindset, even at, at Ottawa Hills, which was again, totally about girls performing as well as boys in sports, you know, our as a as field hockey, our, our a team was arriving and it was always parents driving because there were no buses for girls sports right. back then. And I know, I, I well, I'll finish this story and then I'll mention another thing. And our coach, would be <laughs> mowing the field. And and uh, Sandy Osterman, our wonderful coach, coached us in many sports. And um, and then we'd be lining, you know, taking the little, the lime, the little machine that you could put the lime, the yeah. white lines on. And we would be doing that, a few of us getting ready for the game. And meanwhile, the football field sat pristine right nearby. Uh, and this would be like a Tuesday. So 72 <sighs> hours before a kickoff on a Friday night. And that football field was sitting there already beautiful, waiting to be played on. Oh my so interestingly, well, it's the field hockey team at Ottawa Hills that has won, I believe it's three state championships. Yeah. And has sent, <laughs> sent 40 or 50 young women to D1 scholarships Gosh. or some kind of partial ride, maybe probably more now, well more than that, as well as D2, D3 playing uh, the sport and is what Ottawa Hills is known for, among other things, of course. But, wow. but there you go. Yeah. And not even, I mean, my parents didn't even think of that, right? Or if they did, you didn't, again, you yeah. weren't going to 
march on city hall. You weren't going to march on the school board back then. And, and that's okay. I, you know, and I've written and talked about this people. Oh, it's too bad. You didn't have more. Well, we didn't know what we didn't have. And guys, I was a six sport athlete and not because I was such a great athlete. I was, you know, the senior athlete of the year girl at my high school, but it's only a hundred kids in our graduating class, but I could play everything because there was no specialization yet because no one really cared about girls and women's sports. So I literally was first doubles in tennis, then field hockey, played both sometimes on same, the same day, they were right near each other. Um, And then basketball, volleyball in the winter, basketball certainly was one of my big sports and then softball and track and field in the spring. And I didn't have to specialize. I'm glad now great family member of ours, our best athlete in the family, volleyball all the way. She's a rock star and in, now playing in college. Oh, but wow. that that's, that's I love that. And I haven't missed a game. But I also, I, I'm so glad we're there now. And it's good to remember where we were. But I'd also, I'm so thrilled that where we've come that I, I can't even be remotely sad beca- about what we didn't have. Because right. as I said, we didn't know what we didn't have back then. Christine, your perspective, it's uh, it's a pleasure to hear because I never thought, you know, of course, Title IX, of course, you think about equal opportunity and then you think about sports and the WNBA and how far we've come in. But to think about how it's completely helped our nation rise and and better us and as a nation, half of our workforce is now so much more prepared to compete and to lead and to play together, know and delegate. Uh, I I never thought of it that broadly. You're right. And I thank you for for your perspective there. I, it, it it's wonderful. And then I think about Rex. You you talk about these ten year old girls. M- you know, my niece Lucy Dell. She's a twin. She and Tucker do you know. so much together and they both play soccer and, you know, they're all, you know, what soccer is now it's all year. It's everything. It's travel. It's even at 10 years old, but she is so tough and, and self-assured and doesn't even realize that she is, she runs our family. She is absolutely so prepared for the world and I see it in her and her glow and knowing what sports has done for her. She's not just out there cheering for Tucker. You know, she's she's a great player. You know her, Rex. I know her. And my favorite story of her, and this really is something that uh, she's 10. This was three or four years ago, Christine. I was over at Josh's house. We were in Kentucky. I went over on Christmas morning. His whole family was over there. The twins were over there. And the twins' dad is a doctor. And so they had gotten the kids scrubs for Christmas. And they went and put on the kid. They went and put on their scrubs. And Josh's dad, who recently passed away, the best of guys, uh, liked teasing the kids. And Tucker and Lucy Dell came out dressed. And he said, oh, look, a doctor and a nurse. And she went, I'm a doctor. <laughs> yeah, he was 84. OK, Give, right, you know, right. yeah, <laughs> just giving her grief. But yeah. she, he knew what she would do. And that's how she believes. She walks it and she knows what she can do and what she can be. Yes, it's, it's, and think it's, of she's that empowered force that we have unleashed in our yes. country. 
you know, um, I mean, we will right now, I think, you know, med schools and, and law schools are 50-50 and some are now over wow. more women than men in med schools and law schools. And we're going to continue again. These women are just, you know, obviously dynamos. I mean, just, yeah. you know, ready to launch themselves into incredible success, you know, for the next 50, 60, the rest of their lives. And so uh, I, my guess is in the next 20 or 30 years, you'll say their term, maybe maybe it'll be a little longer, but we'll have to say, I go to a male doctor. You remember the old days? Yeah. Of the- right, yeah. right, right, right. Or, right. You, know, or you, you felt the need to say my doctor who's a woman or right. you know, whatever, or even the lawyer, like, oh, I've got a lawyer who's a woman, or or you'll sometimes hear a strategy that they want to have a woman lawyer for a, yeah. for a, a, you know, some guy who did something particularly awful and, you know, whatever, allegedly. And so, now I'm kind of laughing and making fun of yeah. it, but we're going to have to say I've got a male lawyer or a male doctor. And, <laughs> exactly and right. how funny. Again, this flip is I, I, you know, I feel I'm going to be right. I have no idea. But it just you you look at this, the trends yeah. and what these athletes are doing as young people and also their their academics. You know, of course, then you're playing sports. That means you're probably going to be much more focused on your time. Rex, you know this from your from your high level sports career that you have to manage the time well. And, and so bottom line is I'm obviously very, you know, exuberant about what it's all going to mean. And meanwhile, I want to say this, because there'll be people out there. What about the boys? Yeah. We, we don't want to lose the boys here. Um, I I'm not worried about that, but I do think there's a lot of, of young boys and, and young men who are spending all their time sitting playing video games, not that girls aren't doing that, but nowhere near, um, at least anecdotally, the way boys we hear are. And that's a big problem because a sedentary lifestyle in your teens and 20s means obviously bad news moving forward. And again, boys are playing sports. No one, we don't have to worry about that. But um, I, I'm certainly any of us who are advocates for women's sports and women athletes, which is pretty much everyone, male and female in the country. We also certainly want to make sure that boys continue to have what they have, which, of course, they've not lost anything because of Title IX. Uh, the right. male participation yeah. is, and that's that's very important, even as some sports had to be cut, not because of Title IX, but because of the incompetence of athletic directors who failed to realize that this was the law of the land and not some recommendation. Yeah. Title IX, you know, hasn't been around 50 minutes or 50 weeks or 50 months. It's been around 50 years, and they've had plenty of time to figure out how to implement it. Christine, when did you know you wanted to cover sports? How how did you know that this was your path? Obviously, I love sports, playing sports, going to games. My dad was the Pied Piper with season tickets. We had season tickets <laughs> to the Toledo Mudhens. Uh, we went to Detroit Tigers games just an hour away. Fantastic. Which And, of course, the Mudhens were the AAA team of the Tigers. Yeah. So we watched our Mudhens then play in Tiger Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, those were, the, you know, Al Kaline was always a great hero. My mom and dad, were, uh, Rex, were from the south side of Chicago. So we also kind of were White Sox. We'd go to White Sox games visiting grandparents. And uh, kind of love the Cubs, too, which shows we weren't from Chicago because you <laughs> can't do both. But anyway, bottom line is total sports immersion, playing uh, going to games and 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 then University of Toledo Rockets uh, football um, and that 35 and 0 team from 69 to 71 with the great Chuck Ely, one of my dear friends. We do charitable stuff in Toledo and have done that over the years and um, and Michigan football. We were big Michigan fans. So season tickets. Um, so all of that. 
And uh, and also, I have to mention basketball, the Toledo Rockets um, men's basketball. We didn't even say men's back then because yeah. there was no women's. But Bobby Nichols was the head coach, as you may recall. Oh, yep. Maybe even tried to recruit you. Um, but um, the great Steve Mix, right? Um, I don't know Steve, if you know Steve. Right. Yes, but of course. He's a friend. He's in my book, Best Seat in the House, as is uh, Chuck Ely talking about how when you meet your heroes and kind of a time travel moments in, in my life, which are in the book. And and um, uh, and then, uh, of course, um, so they were you know so great. And they're, that's, you know, throwing your heart and soul into a team like I did the football team, the Rockets, and they never lose 35 straight wins. You know, that talk about a wonderful feeling like <laughs> you know, the sports thing is pretty great. I play, yeah. I watch on TV I, and I love to write. So uh, another thing I often say in speeches and when I'm talking about careers and mentoring or mentoring young people, whatever, is that um, my mom and dad, when I was 10 for Christmas, gave me a diary and I have it just right you know, in a closet uh, cabinet. And it's one of those flowery ones with a lock on it. You guys are probably trying to like yeah, yeah. Keep your no, sister's no. lock. So sister, sure. yeah. right? Well, it's flowery. And it was, so I wrote January 1st, uh, it was 1969. And I wrote, you know, we went and we woke up late after New Year's. I guess we stayed up. I have no idea. And then we went ice skating at someone's backyard where they had a little rink. And then and then it goes right to this in the Rose Bowl, comma, Ohio State beat USC, whatever. That was in, in the Orange Bowl, comma. And I sounded like a stringer for the Associated Press. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So, oh, that's so good. You, you ask when I knew I wanted to be a sports writer. I, of course, at that moment would never have articulated that. But love of writing, I couldn't wait oh. for the newspaper to arrive because, again, it must sound like, you know, you know, the dark that's ages awesome. and we didn't have cell phones and answering machines and, oh, you know, I Abraham remember. Lincoln was president or something. But <laughs> I couldn't, well, you guys, it's, well, especially I Rex, remember. Josh, you're, you're, I'm sure, much younger, but it, you'd wait for the newspaper. It was an afternoon paper, the Toledo Blade. There was a morning paper as well, but we mostly got the afternoon. And you could, that was the first time you could see a picture of a game from the previous year. <sighs> mm. Right. It yeah. was the first time. I So I poured over the box scores of the Toledo Mudhens. I'd listened on the radio. I kept score. I would keep score of games. I was, I was into it. Boy, was wow. I into it. My dad taught me, you know, shortstop is six and right field yeah. is nine. And, all that. and so but the paper the next day was like it was just this gift, uh, you know, this like gold bullion of, of information. Um, you know, maybe there was a clip on the 11 o'clock sports. There's no ESPN yet. You know, there's no internet, right? So there's no Twitter. Anyhow, so all of this, the love of the newspaper, love of writing every day in my diary, even, you know, sometimes I, you know, wrote about what boys or, you know, school or spelling words or whatever, but often it was sports related. And then the going to games and watching them like crazy on TV, writing up little write-ups on my mom's manual typewriter of a game of the week in baseball, all this stuff. Gosh. I mean, it really... It sounds amazing to me now, thinking back on it. And then, uh, so I, went, I uh, applied and got into Northwestern, early decision, research journalism schools. I'm very, very uh, biased, but I believe Northwestern was the best in the country. I still do. I'm on the board of trustees and I'm a professor of <laughs> practice. So I'm all in on that at, at Northwestern and went to Northwestern, got my undergrad and my master's. I walked in the door of the Daily Northwestern and I kind of was a little overwhelmed as a freshman. And, and uh, my you've probably heard of one of my classmates, met first day freshman year, uh, a guy with an Afro from Chicago named Michael Wilbon. Friend of the show. 
he's been on the show. Well, well yeah, friend right, of the yeah. show. Yeah, he and I we're both bring talk, him up. I think you can, you can, we can do it. We're both, we're both, uh, we're both able. We're honored to be on with you. And I know, hopefully, oh. we won't, uh, I won't uh, take up too much time. But, oh, but no, so this Will, is magnificent. So Wilbon always says, "Oh, you were so confident." I mean, we're like brother and sister to this day. And 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 I say, well, no, I was a little scared. And I think what it was, guys, was even with everything I just described about my background in sports and love of writing and going to games. I mean, I knew college football, I knew college basketball inside and out. As they said, what World Series, everything, every play, you know, every World Series in the 70s, whatever. Even then, I thought I might be a political reporter. Why in the world did I think that? And I did cover politics to start at the Daily Northwestern when I went in there. Why did I think that? And I, it dawned on me years, you know, some years later. Well, there was, I had no role models. I never saw anyone who looked like me doing this. I never read a woman's sports byline in the paper. There was a woman covering sailing. And so, but in terms of cover, so she was <laughs> yeah. great and yeah. give her all props, but, you know, covering the Rockets, covering Michigan football, the columnists, all all men, all white men. Nothing wrong with that. Great. Love, love them all. I got yeah. to meet them all when I interned there, but at the Toledo Blade, but on TV, all men except Phyllis George in 1975 was on uh, the CBS show, the NFL Today. And, but she had been Miss America in 1971. And I got to know Phyllis later in life and wrote about her when she died and her daughter, Pam Brown, is a friend and colleague at CNN and love Pam and love their family. Phyllis was a great you know, mentor and role model for me. But at the time, it, she was Miss America, right? Yes. And now she's on the football <laughs> broadcast. And if you, if your career path was you had to be Miss America. To right. Get on- <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was not going to be That's my career tough. path. That's so tough. how about that? So anyway, bottom line, <laughs> long, long answer. Sorry. But bottom no, line is that. Over the years, I vowed to be the role model that I never had. And uh, although I had role models, I had, you know, mm-hmm. my, my parents, our te- you know, teachers who were amazing. Um, our minister, Dr. Hansen, um, his kids were my best, um, still are in many ways, you know, my, my best grew up with them, my dear friends. Um, but but nothing in, you know, sports really, you know, Billie Jean King, Chris Everett, of course, Nancy Lopez, but Olympic athletes, but nothing really. It was Dick Schapp, who yeah. I told him that many times. And he, right. I'd sit next to him on the sports reporters and, and I'd say, Dick, I, you know, I, I revered you. And then he goes, look at you, you're sitting, here you are sitting next to me. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And Dick got, you know, Dick Schapp, the great, one of the greats of the all best. time. And, but anyway, so I, I just, um, I, I, so the Association for Women in Sports Media, you mentioned, and if, if there is a young woman out there in high school or college or parents of a young girl, check that out. A young woman who wants to be in sports media and also young men, we, we certainly are not exclusive on that. Right. Uh, AWSM, awesome, we call it, Association of Women in Sports Media, for <laughs> first president. I've started two scholarships there. I have a couple of uh, fellowships at Northwestern because I really just felt, and I mentor everybody and, and sorry, shameless plug, christinebrennan.com oh, is my website. There's a student tab there, but also it's a way to reach me. I'm not saying I'm the answer for everything, but I'm there for you as a young person, as a, if you're a young journalist and there's an issue with a coach or locker room, male or female. Um, I've really vowed uh, guys to do that. I know that sounds a little sappy. And no, it doesn't. It's really, um, it's so important. I do maybe more mentoring than anything else at this point, and I just love doing it. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. 
Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including our popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, Christine, I'm sitting here and it dawned on me. I'm, 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 I'm watching you and thinking about the time period. And I'm thinking about Mary Tyler Moore show. And that was the theme of that. So much was about chauvinism in journalism at, at that time. And then you were in sports journalism. That's like you had everyone was Ted Knight. You know, everyone's like, oh, man, get me a coffee. <laughs> you know, everyone was that. Yeah. And of course, chauvinism is alive and very well. Uh, but back in the, you know, beginnings, the dark ages of 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 before Title IX and, and before it took took hold, they did, it wasn't even trying to be hidden. You know, it was just yeah. it was just so prevalent. What was your like first were many of your first tip offs when you were interviewing or had to interview for someone that you were just in front of a huge chauvinist? It, of course, it, there was tons of that, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I was so lucky, and I, I will answer the question, but I do want to say, I think it is, and I'm sure you guys agree, there's a, there's something about how you look at things. And um, mm-hmm. now, clearly the stuff that was going on in the early 80s would be completely unacceptable. Um, But I realized that I was new and coming into a new situation, first woman sports writer at the Miami Herald, which was a wonderful opportunity. And I didn't turn the previous summer and then finish my master's at Northwestern. So um, they knew me and I knew them. Um, So, you know, I knew that there would be things covering the NFL and standing outside waiting in the loading dock area with the bus fumes already, you know, the buses started to go, whatever. And I'm waiting where all the other reporters go in the locker room because they're all men. Um, it, but the good news is that wasn't going to last much longer. So I actually, there were women who came five, 10 years in front of me who really, really, really bore the brunt of of the uh, absolute awful behavior um, and were kicked out of locker rooms and and picked up and manhandled woman or whatever word you'd use, you know, obviously mm-hmm. app- inappropriately, um, you know, taken out um, against their will when they're doing mm-hmm. their jobs in the locker room. And, and, you know, I think of some of them, Leslie Visser and Lori Mifflin and Tracy Dodds, mm-hmm. Robin Herman, the late Robin Herman, you know, they were amazing. And so I was able to walk 
through, you know, they open doors that I walk through. Um, and uh, Melissa Ludke, of course, with her lawsuit. And oh. uh, if people haven't and are interested, you can look all of them up, of course. And so I'm coming along a few years after them. And yet I, I dealt with it. And I think for me, right off the bat, so I come to the Miami Herald. I'd had a great summer the summer before interning, covering all kinds of stuff, and it went well. So they had they were a little late. This was April of 81, and they were a little late in hiring a woman sports writer. By that point, the Boston Globe had Leslie Visser, New York Times, other New York papers had several women, um, more women on TV, not many, but you know, uh, a few more. And the Miami Herald was behind as a big, big paper. So they hired me. So I was a token, and I, I got that. I understood wow. that. I never let that bother me. I, I totally, I was launched into this, you know, by Northwestern. It, obviously, I was so ready. I'd gone to more college football games uh, and baseball games and, and pro baseball than probably most kids in America. So, you know, I knew this very well. And um, and so, interestingly, there was a, a wonderful man, and I'm pretty sure he's still alive. We've been in touch recently, but not uh, he would be in his 80s now, Gary Long. And I don't mind mentioning him because I mentioned him in the book. Um, and, you know, he's, he's he, of course, he, he knows the role he plays in my life. Early on, I'm there, and he starts calling me the skirt. Hey, skirt. Hey, skirt. Yeah. Now, I don't remember what he called the Hispanic reporter. And I don't remember what he called the guy who might have had a few extra pounds, the heavyset guy. But I'm sure there were other choice words for them as well. And Gary was a uh, was a comedian. He was a kidder. He was a he'd needle you. And I never let that get to me, guys. I never did. Now, I want to make it crystal clear right now. Gary and I talked about this, you know, 10, 15 years ago. He knows if he did that, now he would right. be fired. And he apologized to me. I said, no, don't apologize. It was 81. <laughs> it was the workplace. It was all guys and, and me. And I was like the kid sister coming in. Yeah. And I loved it. And so what I did when Gary said that, I would laugh it off. I wouldn't, it, it didn't even go inside my, you know, yeah. in one ear and out the other. It didn't even go that far. It was like, yeah, right. I was so focused on this. I was so ready for this. That that's going to derail me? Of course not, right? And I know right. you weren't insinuating that it would, but but no. that's the kind of stuff that, um, so I laughed. And he would do it a lot, but he also invited me to be on his tennis league, and we'd play a couple times a week, and I was the first person he'd call, and he'd have us all round robin, and, I and we'd have lunch. And so he welcomed me in the Miami right. Herald in ways that very few others did. There's that, the final kicker on this little piece of this story. And again, not all of them end this way. And again, if this is happening to you, if you're listening to us and it's something you're dealing with or, or remember your family's dealing with today, oh no, unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. This was 81. Um, so now I'm going to cover the Florida Gators football beat in 81. And I had never covered football as much as I'd covered a lot of Bennett sports. I had never really covered football at Northwestern, which at the time we were pretty lousy. So, <laughs> so maybe it was a good thing. We all joked that maybe, you know, yeah. Oban and Mike Greenberg and so many, Kevin Blackstone, so many of, of us go, well, maybe that's why we're journalists. because <laughs> Our football and our men's basketball were, were not great. Women's sports were great back then and still are at Northwestern. Anyhow, I, but I knew journalism. I mean, I knew I knew sports. I needed to learn journalism, right? I needed to learn who, what, when, where, why, how. I needed to be have those basics, and that's what I needed. So, sports. I, you know, I figured I'm a journalist who covers sports. I got that part. So, but I never really, you know, kept score of a college football game. 
And I mentioned that one day, Gary Long calls me over to his desk and he's already sitting there. He's opened some files and I sit down and I'm not, this is not trepidation where our desks are 20, 30 feet apart. So it's normal that we would chat and, and he'd give me some good natured ribbing. I'm sure again, even during that time. And he has now put out all of his notebooks from the previous year covering the Florida Gators in the 80 season. He's moved now to Florida State for the 81 season. I'm going to be taking the Gators beat. And he's showing me going through with this red pen and the blue pen and this marker. And this is what, and this, you know, here's the punt. Now I go to an arrow over here for first down for these guys, you know, for the other team. And he walked me through a system that I then used uh, all the way through covering the Washington football team, all wow. the way to Super Bowls. I still, if I'm covering a Super Bowl, I still use that method wow. on a, a legal pad from Gary Long. So I tell my dad this story, not right away, but maybe, you know, a few weeks later, whenever we're catching up on stuff and on the phone. And he said, honey, do you know what you just did? And I said, uh, no, no. I learned about how to keep score of a game. He said, no, 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 not that. He said, you took your worst detractor and you made him your biggest mentor. And now he's he's wow. on your side and he's cheering wow. for you. Wow. And I and I said to my dad, I said, Dad, I did nothing of the sort. I just fell into this. I just took advice. He goes, No, no. He, he goes, You inadvertently did this. Um, so <laughs> I think you know, being um, a very positive person, I love to smile. Uh, I I'm so you know, have, you choose happiness in life, yeah. right? And right. Rex, I know with all of your uh, tweets and the things you throw on there that make everyone Try. smile, right? Try. You get that. Um, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat it. That that kind of stuff again. It is unacceptable now. And frankly, probably was unacceptable back then. But I took it because I wanted this so badly. Nothing, nothing was going to derail me. And there's locker room stories too. But bottom line is, you know, you I carried an eight by 11 notebook. So being tall, when I looked down, if some guy happened to be standing there and didn't want to put on a towel or keep his jersey on or his pants on, I was looking you at the could, notebook. Yeah. His dad said, you know, uh... Keep I was going to get contact into that. At all, I asked for his advice. He said, honey, keep eye contact at all times. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wanted to ask about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I, I came, I was drafted in 1988, came into the NBA in 1988. And, and I'm forgetting whether it was in the Boston garden or Madison square garden. And uh, Jackie McMullen was the first <laughs> female that I'd maybe uh, NBA teams had been having females in for a few years. I don't know. Colleges certainly didn't. This was my first experience with it. And I immediately felt so bad for her. Like it was in, in the eighties, it was not guys didn't cover up and maybe not so on purpose. So I wonder, you know, and it got better over the years, but it was also bad. When was the first time you remember going into a locker room? Um, do you remember that first time? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually the summer of 80. So it was the, when I was having that internship Okay. at the Miami Herald before they hired me full time. And I had never been in a men's locker room before. And it was a preseason game in August of 80 at the old Orange Bowl, the Dolphins playing the Minnesota Vikings. And my sports editor, Paul Anger, who was the one who hired me then, what, nine months, eight months later to be, you know, for my full-time job, um, called the Vikings ahead. He said, we want to put her, you know, he's going to put me on 
on the, you know, give me a credential. And my assignment would be to write a sidebar on the Vikings preseason football. You know, this is not a huge deal, uh, except it's the Dolphins back in Miami before there's the heat, <laughs> before there's the, yeah. you know, the Marlins right. and before there's the Florida Panthers. So it's the Dolphins and then it's yeah. college football, right? So it is, a, it is a big deal, but but this is not, I'm not writing the game story or anything like that. Anyway, and so all set, got the credential. And I was so fortunate to have the power of the Miami Herald behind me and then the Washington Post when I started covering the skins and, you know, uh, Ben Bradley and Catherine Graham on my side. I mean, very, very lucky. And then USA Today and CNN, you know, all these unfortunate, very fortunate, these huge media companies fighting for me. And that was what happened that day. So not only did the sports editor, Paul Anger, lay the groundwork the days before, but my colleagues in the press box at the Miami Herald, four or five other reporters were there, all kind of looking out for me. Again, I'm the intern. Wow. You know, I'm I'm just the kid yeah. there. And um, and, you know, uh, walked over and then you go two separate ways, as you guys know, from sports, you know, one to the Dolphins locker room, one to the Vikings. So I go off that way. And I think at that point I was no longer with any other Herald reporter, but there were other reporters there. I was standing up straight, tall, confident. I was wearing a skirt, which um, <laughs> I just thought that myself. I thought, you know, let's just make it clear that, you know, I want I want yeah. them to also know that there's a woman in the locker room. If that's, right. if that's, you know, again, I'm on their turf. I'm going in right. their locker room. You, you know, Rex very well. I'm sure Jackie, who's a good friend and one of the greats mm-hmm. of all time, uh, one of my favorite people and just a, a magnificent journalist. Yeah. Um, I'm sure she felt the same way. You know, you, this is what we're going to do. We've got to do the interviews. Here we go. Kind of thing. And, um, and by the way, male reporters, as well as female reporters have said over the years, it's not the guys don't necessarily love it either. It's just it's yeah. where we do the interviews right. and the players want us there. You know, you don't want to have to come find somebody and right. delay your, your trip home. You want to get out of there as quickly as possible. So anyway, uh, the, le- the legendary Bud Grant, um, who I'd watched his teams in the Super Bowl, and now I'm standing there and, and there's a group of us around him. And I had a question or two I wanted to ask. And uh, the other reporters started to peel off, all men going into the locker room. And I'm now talking to Bud Grant, one last question. And he said, you're the woman that's going to be going in the locker room. And I said, yes. And he said, well, there you go. Good luck. And, you know, think about that. I mean, Bud Grant, I think he's still alive. I hope he's still alive. I know he was born, I think, in the 20s. So for a guy like him to be, you know, understanding, I'm going to do my, wow, how cool is that? As opposed to putting up saying, don't do that or what's wrong with, you know, which, of course, women have dealt with for years. Not again, we're talking this 80s. This is all resolved since 1985. Everything's fine now for 35 more years. But but then so Bud Grant, go there you go. And in I walked. And here's the interesting part. I would love to see a videotape of me. Um, (laughs) I walk in and I know I, I remember not being nervous or flustered at all. I wanted to talk to about four people. And. Um, I, I knew who I wanted to talk to. And I had a, the flip card, you know, with all the numbers and yeah. the names. Um, but it's an exhibition game. So there's no names over the locker room, over the lockers. God. And if the player, a lot of players have taken off their jerseys. <laughs> but I, I knew this even at 22. I knew I could not look around. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I'm in there and wow. I cannot look around. And around this same time, again, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to figure this out. Someone walks up to me and says, who do you need? Ah, Tommy Hannon, the great safety, went to Michigan State, 
Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, and I've been in touch with him to thank him years wow. later. And he and I said, well, I need, you know, this guy, you know, and he goes, Tommy Kramer was the quarterback. And he goes, there he is. He's putting on his tie. Got it. And again, I would have recognized him, but I really did right. not want to look around. I wanted yes. to be as unobtrusive as sure. possible. So that one what guy. A horrible spot to be. Well, in. you know I mean, what, though? I don't. Interestingly, I don't think of that. I know it sounds that way. I don't think of it that way at all. I think I think of it as an opportunity. I thought of it as I got this. I'm so ready for this. I can handle this. But thankfully, a wonderful man came up oh. and did. And then, by the way, I said three people. And then I said, and you, because he'd made two. He had two interceptions in the game. So I interviewed him right there. He lied to Tommy Kramer. No problem. Uh, another guy. Forget it, who it was. And yeah. then finally, the fourth guy comes walking over. I guess I, maybe Tommy had gone over and asked him to come to me, maybe. Although I did move around a little. I mean, I was definitely you know, a journalist doing my job, right. going over to the lockers. Anyway, this guy walks over buck naked and he wanted to your point a few moments ago, yeah, Rex, yeah. wanted to be naked. Right. And right. he wanted, and, and by the way, I heard some whoops and hollers. I did, you know, Hey, yeah. you know, what's yeah. the woman doing in here? We don't go in the mm-hmm. women's bathroom, but again, like that's going to stop me. Now, again, I totally understand how it has been. Uh, women have been, had dealt with terrible things. That's why I am. So I believe it's so important to be there for others and to help them. And even young women today, I always say, here's my cell number, you know, call me if there's ever a problem. And thankfully it's pretty, it's, you know, we're we're resolved and, you know, it's been resolved for a long time in almost all cases. But back then, again, it's like, well, this is, this guy's an idiot, but I'm going to get the quotes because I'm, and that's what I realized when I'm holding the eight and 11, eight by 11 notebook, which that's I just right. grabbed that day perfect. that it was perfectly positioned. And, yeah. um, and yes. So, and you know what it um, within, again, that's 80, 81 by 1985, when I come up here to Washington and the Washington post puts me on the skin speed. Um, the first time, as you said, a woman had ever covered the beat. I'd covered the NFL at large, but it was catch as catch can. So some like Don Shula, can I just sing his praises for a second? Just yes. wonderful to me personally, rough and gruff, didn't always love him, my questions, but he put, he told all his players to put on robes in 1982. Wow. And in, I walked and another woman or two also covered the dolphins. Here he is. It's not about being conservative. Uh, obviously passed away. What a wonderful yeah. hall of famer. What a wonderful human being. I love the man. He, um, you know, Catholic goes to church every day, went to church every day and just figured out in 82 guys wear wow. robes. And women are going to get to do their jobs. How wonderful was Don Shula? How wonderful. I mean, there's still college coaches today who don't like to have a woman in a locker room. Shame on them. (laughs) And uh, let's hear it for 40 years ago in uh, Don Shula. But yeah, but but when the Washington Post put me on the beat, that was when Pete Rozelle, whether it was because of me or just time had come, Pete Rozelle issued an edict as the commissioner of the NFL that all of the teams in the NFL had to have equal access. That was 1985. Fantastic. So thankfully, oh, it was resolved a long time ago. You know, Christine, we, we had Martina Navratilova on the show. It, it, we were so lucky and it was such a great conversation. And we got into uh, the topic of. Uh, athletes that are transitioning and and participating in in female sports uh and she uh it's i think it's uh something that we're all learning right now and 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 not knowing exactly what 
could be a right answer, a wrong answer, because it's um, so much case by case. But she felt it was really important to protect women's sports like it was women's sports was under attack. Uh, How do you feel about that? Yeah, well, I, I certainly am well aware of what Martina is doing. She's working with Donna Deverona, the great Olympic gold medalist, Nancy Hogshead-Maker, a great Olympic gold medalist as well. This is what I think. Uh, I, and I'm guessing that that um, you agree with me on, on at least this first part of it. Um, we are 100% for transgender rights. Um, Leah Thomas, the swimmer from Penn, uh, what she has gone through, the mental anguish, the difficulty in, in and transitioning and dealing with all of that. Um, I want her and every other uh, transgender person, male or female, to have equal pay, as I'm sure, of course, you do, equal rights, equal uh, everything. Use the bathroom of their uh, of the gender that they have transitioned to. I mean, it is ridiculous yes. that they are persecuted and uh, treated anything other than that. Full stop, full stop. Women's sports has been a category that we have looked at differently than men's sports. You made the point a moment ago, Josh. Women's sports, we have looked at as kind of a protected class. And I say it this way. There was a story 20, 30 years ago where boys wanted to play field hockey at a certain school, high school, because they said, well, girls could wrestle. Girls could be on the boys wrestling team. Why can't boys be on the field hockey team? And the school board correctly decided that girls could wrestle because there was no girls wrestling team. Again, taxpayer dollars. Girls have to have the opportunity. But boys would not be on the field hockey team. Why was that? Because within a couple of years, your girls field hockey team would probably be your boys field hockey team. Now, we're not talking about that in this case, but that is an important, again, full stop piece of this incredibly nuanced an important national, international conversation. So Leah Thomas, I want Leah Thomas to have every opportunity to swim as she did. I am also aware though, that once you've gone through male puberty, which is something that Martina and and Donna and and Nancy and the the group of women, they're really trying to find a solution. Once you've gone through male puberty, the question is, is that fair to then be able to compete against uh, women who have not gone through male puberty, in other words, cisgender women. Mm. That is the question we're dealing with as a country, as a world in sports. And the answer has already been given, no matter what we all think here. FINA, the International Swimming Federation, with the Leah Thomas situation, which is really where this kind of exploded, right? Mm. And that's, everyone saw the videotape, and even my most liberal Democratic friends were like, you know, is that fair? That is not against Leah Thomas. And sometimes when people, and that's why this takes a couple minutes, it's not just a tweet, as you know, Rex. Right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> you, people just want to jump on each other and it's black and white. Folks, it's actually a huge gray area. Yeah. So Leah Thomas, whatever you think, 100% for Leah, 100% against Leah, or somewhere in between, well, guess what? FINA has now made the decision. If you've gone through male puberty, you cannot swim at international or FINA-sponsored uh, sanctioned events. It's over, folks. We can all argue among ourselves, but that right. happened very quickly. Normally, federations don't make decisions right. quite that quickly. That yeah. decision was made very, very quickly. And I will note this. There are those, and I understand this. I understand all sides of this argument. 
There are those who would say, um, and I, I get it. Well, the moment you have set declared that you are transitioning, you are you are now you've transitioned. Mm-hmm. I get that. I totally get that. Doesn't there's no surgery, no no hormones, no nothing. You you have, and that's where we respect the person saying, right. you know, my name, and this is nine my name. This is where you, of course, of course, we respect that. The three right. of us, all of us, yes. of course, of course. If that had happened with Leah Thomas, and I'm not picking on Leah, I'm just saying this. Leah mm-hmm. was in the headlines, and 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 again, I wish her all the best in the world. I right. do, I do, hundred percent. Leah, if that had happened with Leah, if the moment that she said, and it was the it was the pandemic, she was transitioning during that time. Right. If they had said yes, as you are Leah Thomas, and you can compete as a woman today, you know what? She would have tested positive, would have just blown out the testosterone level. Right, right. And would never have been allowed to compete. Mm, yeah. So by taking hormones to obviously start to transition, which of course she did, that allowed her testosterone level to get down enough so that then she could compete as a woman. Wow. And I say that because when people are like, it's black and white, well, folks, if it's black and white, she never would have competed because she would have then not had the hormones and would have right. um, would have not been allowed because she would have tested positive for too much testosterone in her body. Right. So I hope this whole it's, long answer it's allows people Thank to you. say good people can disagree. We are not anti-trans if we want to talk about how we want to handle women's sports. And my prediction, 50 years from now, We'll still be talking about this because it is such a difficult issue, but hate and the politicians that are out there in these states with these hateful, hateful laws, that is not the way to go. Wonderful, intelligent panels of people making decisions based on medicine and science and humanity. That's the way to go. Yeah. Christine, uh, we're not going to get to any of the Augusta stuff or the Olympics and all that stuff. We need you to come back, but we have two questions we always have to ask to wrap things up. What's your favorite movie? It's a tough one, um, <laughs> I, but I'm going to give. I, I have. I, I actually have yeah, several. Several, okay. Yeah, which would be Sound of Music and It's a Wonderful Life. Um, but I'm going to go with the sports sports movie, and and I would say, you know, uh, League of Their Own is also great. But yeah. um, I'm I'm kind of giving my you know finalists to say Field of Dreams. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. if you build it, he will come. <laughs> <laughs> and when he will come yeah, and there's dad come. taking off the catcher's mitt. Oh my God. I just got chills right I now. Know. I just, I, how know. many times did I play catch with my dad? Oh, so yeah. uh, that's, that's the one uh, that gets me every time. Great answer. What about front row center for any uh, comedian or group or singer or, or speaker entertainer dead or alive? Dead or alive. Wow. Um, you know, I think um, I mentioned him earlier in a kind of a joking way. If I could have a front row seat to listen to anyone speak dead or alive, I would pick a front row seat to listen to Abraham Lincoln speak. Wow. Um, Remarkable man. Um, I know, you know, I was thinking, you know, Billy Joel, Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Sure. Those are, those are, I'm a normal person. I would have uh, those answers as well, but um, 
uh, Fleetwood Mac, you know, but but I yeah, given that dead or alive, I take the the, the uh, amazing Abraham. I mean, obviously, you know, the history. I'm a history buff, and I love time travel. I love all those kinds of things. So uh, Abraham Lincoln would certainly be, uh, I guess, the the one I would love to hear if 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 that would if that were possible. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. Christine, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Please come back and do it in a few months. Will you come back? I would love repeat, to. I know I, I'm guest. sorry for talking so much on these issues, but I do think they're important. And thank you for uh, for the opportunity. What an honor. What a delight to be with both of you and a continued success. And, and yes, anytime. I'd love to do it. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you we, so much. We could have done this for two hours. I had so many Olympic questions, but I mean, you live such a rich, full life and are such a great communicator. I know. Uh, thank you so much for thank for you. this. Well, right back at you. And uh, next time, let's turn the tables and like, we get to ask you all the questions. All right. Well, that's good. Correct. Sounds Thanks. good. Thanks, Thanks Christine. Thank, thank you, you so much. Another person that uh, makes us feel like shit about ourselves. How about her? Yeah. Why don't we? I, how about? Brilliant people juxtapose with Rex and Josh, two pieces of shit. <laughs> no, no, no. Two pieces of dog shit. Let's let's them, you know, I mean, come on. How why, how are people of this caliber continuing to be fooled to come on to a show with two idiots? <laughs> it's I don't know. I think there's magic there somewhere. <laughs> Man, so she like, was, what was the Zach Galifianakis? This is between two turds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new name. That's the new name between two turds. <laughs> wow, what a great communicator gosh, she is. And, and gosh, the Title IX thing that she went into, the Title IX thing she went into about you know, how it has shaped, you know, I had never, it, it makes me feel so bad about myself as a person, as a dad, as a friend. Yeah. I, I had never thought about, you know, like my sister not having right. a, a team. She could Yeah. When be you on. said that. Right. And all of your friends, Josh, none of you guys played any any sports after high school. Think of every good thing or bad thing that ever happened to you in high school. All your teammates knew about it. Everything. You lived together. You did everything together. You cried together. You had parents that died. You had friends that died. You, All of that stuff. And that we deprived women of those experiences for so long. It, 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 it makes me sad, but it also hardens me to see friends like I have now, Candace Parker, who Candace is a professional basketball player who's also on TV now. And she's going to yeah. have a TV career forever when she retires. And she credits it to Title IX. Yeah, and it was, you were so great the way you put it about my tight-knit group of friends. We and all have the those, bond right? happened in sports. That's where my lifelong richest relationship started and I uh, my niece Kate who is is grown up and married now she was just here with her husband visiting this past weekend and so she stayed with me and we all went out to dinner a couple nights and she was also meeting three of her one of her friends lives here two of her friends came in and they you know, obviously great friends enough to come together and they all played sports together. 
that See, we were deprived of them. Of I know. That. Amazing. I know. Amazing. It is. And how she communicated it, you know, how she communicated, um, you know, the transgender issue. Um, just what a what a what a star. And yeah. uh, we didn't yeah. we didn't get to even a quarter of her career. Uh, I know. But, I, man, amazing. Loved it. All right, Josh, you want to do this again next week? That was Christine Brennan. Let's do it next week. One, two, bud. I'd like to. Let's do it. All right. We'll be back this time next week. The Rex Chapman Show with super cool Josh Hopkins. Powered by basketballnews.com.